0: Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. We're going to talk specifically about men and their relationship to the kingdom of God. And that's because men have not been stepping up to be men for quite some time. Since the days in the garden, we have been dropping the ball as to what is a real man and what a real man should be doing. And we need to change our ways. We need to turn around and go the other way. And I decided to have this show on the subject of man and what a man should be because I had a show last week on what a woman should be and what a distortion it has, which is too big a topic for a two-hour show. But uh, the... uh, The reality and the fact is that man and woman were created in the image of God. And they have been recreated by their own failing and by the influences of evil and by the influences of the world ever since. And if there is going to be any salvation for society or for man on this planet, men need to step up and be different than what they've been for the last, Several thousand years. Now, there there have been good men in the past, and there will be good men in the future, and many of you are striving to be good men now, but we have really fallen short of the grace of God. But there's hope. We can turn around and go another way, and that's what we need to start doing. And we're going to talk a little bit about, in the first hour, about what that means, how we went astray and how we can get back this uh creation of man in the image of God we see way back in genesis one twenty six and God said, "Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have." dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and everything that creepeth, uh, the things that creepeth upon the earth. That dominion, that free dominion, that right to choose, that right to be the guy in charge is directly connected to being and acting and uh, continuing in the likeness of God and the character of God. And, of course, that's why Christ came is to show us an sample, an ensample of that character to revitalize that striving, that seeking, the will of God, the, the law of God that needs to be written on our hearts and on our minds by God's hand. That writing of his laws upon our hearts and our minds is a spiritual activity. It is a spiritual revelation where we begin to understand and know the truth because God is giving us the truth, that word truth. What is the truth, Pilate said? The, have, the word truth that we have today is not does not do justice to the Greek word that they're translating into truth. We really don't have a word, I at least I haven't come up with one, in the English language that actually matches the wholeness of that concept of truth. If you go back in history and study that word in the Greek, you will see that they talk about that truth as being a union of flesh and spirit of soul of a man and uh, reality. It actually, the word truth uh, would be somewhat like saying reality. And reality is, we all have an opinion as to what reality is. If you have any experience with uh, questioning witnesses, at the theme of an accident or a uh, crime. Witnesses see all sorts of things. What they're really telling you, their witness, is really their opinion of what they think they saw. And with some people, it doesn't hardly resemble what takes place at all. They fill in gaps regularly. They reinvent what they remember. That's the way their imagination operates. They see one thing and they begin describing something completely different. It's very common. That's that's us. That's our opinion. Well, everybody has an opinion. Some opinions are very close to reality. Some opinions are very far away from reality. But God's opinion is reality. And so the truth includes that idea of God's opinion, that uniting of spirit, which the source of all spirit is God, and the soul, the mind of man. And that is what the word truth means. And so when Pilate, who is actually a very interesting individual, who, according to many people, according to a great deal of historical records, Pilate became a Christian. His wife was already becoming a Christian. I've heard people say, oh, well, she had a dream, she was a soothsayer, and on and on. Well, you know, Joseph had a dream. Dreams uh, throughout the Bible have been very important. Just because you had a dream, it doesn't make you some kind of superstitious witch. The reality is, according to historical record, and again, that's what you know we're depending on, it isn't necessarily reality, but as a historical record, both Pilate and his wife became Christians. There are churches named after them. They're considered saints for all the good works that they did in uh early Christianity because Pilate was not as bad a guy as everybody would like to think. He actually recognized Christ as king. It wasn't some facetious uh, document. They didn't go around doing that. Somebody said, oh, he was just mocking Christ by putting that document up there, or that board up there. And, of course, on all the crucifixes you see, there's just a little board with a couple of letters on it, and the board has always got those jagged edges like it was broken. This was... An official Roman document wasn't to mock Christ. It was saying that this is the king. It said it in three languages. It was carved on ebony wood that was covered in white plaster. This is the king, and Pilate was saying that. But Pilate was seeing, you know, he was stepping up to some degree, but even he fell short, and of course it was, God used this to good purposes. But he washed his hands of it. He did not believe the Pharisees would pick Jesus Barabbas to let go and crucify Jesus to Christ. He thought they would for certainly crucify Barabbas, who was a rebel and had sworn the deaths of many of the Pharisees and certainly the Sadducees. But anyway, that's another story. We'll get into that at another time. The point is, is that God made us in his image and we have been remade in another and God is not a coward and men are often cowards. God is not impatient. God is the epitome of patience. It says in Genesis 127 so God created man in his own image and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Man and woman are both man when we're talking about mankind, and mankind is created in the image of God, each with a different role and a different purpose and different abilities, but both in the essence of their being in the image of God. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no man to kill the ground. Now, we actually have some of the same creative power that God has, that we're in his image. We aren't God, but even Jesus says, Is it not written that ye also are gods? And in that dominion that God gave us, we play his role. But we lose that dominion
1: if we stray
0: from his image. Because, again, that trust that he gave us, this power and dominion over the creation that he set into motion, is hinging on the idea that we remain in his image. If we are seduced away from
1: character of God
0: and our choices. We believe that to me. And that plays into the direction that God has given us, the commandments that God has given us.
2: Every plant of the
0: field before it was in the earth, what does that mean? Before it was in the earth, it was spirit. Spirit created the physical realm. Set means. Enter into vibration to create the molecules and atoms of existence. And the pattern of that spirit determines the pattern of creation. And because God has choice, God has given us choice. But our choice is not unlimited. Our choice is finite because we are finite. We are created in the image of God, but we are still finite creatures. So if we stray from the image of God, all sorts of things, all sorts of hell breaks loose. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and even those words, Adama, of the ground, is what they're saying, and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and the man became a living soul. But when he dies to God's breath, God's life. He becomes the walking dead, and Jesus makes reference to that. Let the dead bury the dead. Dead, still walking around, but dead. Not really the life of God in them. Some life is in them, but it's the life they've taken from plants and animals and from each other. And they continue to live, but without the direction of God, without the guidance of God. Wise in their own eyes. And the Lord God planted that garden, created that garden. They talk about it eastward in Eden. Significance to those words, but we won't go into it now. And there he put the man whom he had formed. He put the man he had formed there. But if somebody reforms that man, reconverts that man to another image, man may not have a right to be there anymore. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. The idea of dressing and keeping it means that we, that creative power that God has given us, should be manifested in the dressing of his creation. To continue that creation in the form in which
1: God originated
0: it. But men are constantly deviating that form, and they're doing it actually spiritually, but we actually see them physically doing it, genetically altering our food source, not according to the ways of God, but actually according to the ways of death. And we see GMOs now being used in places like India where they grow cotton and then they turn the after they harvest the cotton they turn their uh sheep and their cattle into the fields to eat the grass that has grown up and all the cattle die die we find evidence that genetically modified foods are creating all sorts of problems now they're genetically modifying alfalfa Already today, modified corn is making uh, animals that are fed that corn infertile. 10, 15, percent
1: infertility
0: in herds, in dairy herds. And they're tracing it back to GMOs. And they're worried about the Iranians getting a nuclear bomb. They have a bomb going off right in their midst. They're destroying
1: food chains
0: that you are dependent on to live as a society. They are wiping you off the face of the earth as we speak by genetically modifying these corn and soybeans and you won't be able to eat this stuff anymore. It will kill you. Your only hope is to return to God and with the creative power that God has given you to change that process. Right now the demons of the world are working in the laboratories of the world actually preparing the white man off the face of the earth. And men are actually doing this. And they are blind to it. They can't see that they are destroying the very fabric of life on this planet by genetically modifying life in their own image. The dead are modifying life to be dead. This is the creative power of man, destroying himself. And it's because so many of you men out there are asleep. Your wives will follow you on this this quest for righteousness. That's what we're supposed to be seeking. It is not righteous to alter God's creation in a way that destroys life. For generations and generations to come, we will suffer from these sins that we are committing today.
1: And the Lord God
0: commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But that's there except for one.
1: The tree of knowledge.
0: You cannot eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You cannot start deciding for yourself. You need to eat of the tree of life to guide you into what is right.
1: See, of life is the
0: spiritual tree. It is the Holy Spirit. The same life that he breathed into you is the same life that Christ breathed into the apostles when he came after the resurrection and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Start to walk in the Spirit. And men aren't doing that.
1: They're still walking in the flesh.
0: And we see the fruits of that. And the fruits of that is death. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And this is in Genesis 2.18. All these other instructions were prior to that.
1: I will can't
0: help me to him. Man was given these directions
1: and these instructions.
0: But he, he saw it was not good that man be alone. You can't do this alone. You can't do the job that God gave you alone. You are going to need this ally, this helpmate, also made in the image of God. And when God presented woman to man, Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That's your sister, That is not something there for you to dominate and rule over and to imagine that you are a man because the woman says you are a man. You must be a man. And you are a man because you are following the Holy Spirit. And that kind of man may look much different than the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of the world that are supposed to be these menly men that we are supposed to model ourselves after. It may not be like the preachers out there with their putting hands and their as seductive lips that tickle your ears, either. So what does this real man look like? Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they uh, were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So they were already naked, but they were not ashamed, because they were still eating of the tree of life. And the man saith, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me gave me of the tree, and I did eat. This is Genesis 3.12. This is after he received the fruit, ate the fruit, and he did eat. And God said, Adam, what have you done? And Adam says, The woman
1: Thou givest me,
0: gave me the tree, of the tree, and I He admitted he ate, but he blamed it on the woman that God gave
1: her.
0: He blamed it on God, his own choice. That is not a humble response. That is not a repentant response. Then we need to change the way in which we live our lives. The first thing we need to do Start taking responsibility for our choices.
1: Stop blaming
0: somebody else for all our choices. Not the government's fault. You made the government.
1: You tempted the government with your weakness. You tempted the government with your sloth.
0: We make the souls of this world because we don't take responsibility to do the job, to be the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. We say, we want the government to be the government. We want this bureaucracy to be the government. We want this democracy to rule over us and protect us and provide us with our security. But that is tempting them to become like Saul, who was a good man but was corrupted by the power we gave him because we did not accept our own responsibilities. If we are to get back to the image of God, we must get back to accepting the responsibilities for what we do. Now, we're going to come up here on a break, and uh, there is a call-in number. And is that call-in number? Is that different now that we're doing this conferencing thing?
3: Yeah, they can call in the conference line and just... Press star six and raise their hand, and then we can let them on the air.
0: So what is that conference line number?
3: The conference line, if you want to call in, is area code 559-726-1300, and then you have to use the ID 795132 to get the right conference.
0: Let's see if I typed it right. Everybody else. So you get a, get a second shot at writing it down before the break. 559 five, 1300 That's 1300. Zero, zero. And then you get to the right conference with 795-132. And then you, with star six that you push, I guess, if you want to ask a question.
3: Yeah, star six is usually mute, but since it's in what they call Q and A mode, question and answer, if you press star you're automatically muted, but if you press star six, uh, it will show up on my screen that you have a question and then we can address it.
0: Okay. And now I've actually put that in here. I thought I had
3: that in here but then it wasn't there. <laughs> so
0: uh anyway, um uh, we'll uh uh Take any calls that you have after the break, or we'll continue on with this examination of uh, what the true character of man should be and what we need to work back to in order to save ourselves and save our neighbor and help one another and be uh, a true blessing to our communities and to our wives and to our families. We need to become real men in the image of god and the world is designed today you have a tremendous task but the world is designed today to keep you from returning to that character of god that image of god and so it's everything we can do to overcome that fallen nature and we cannot do it alone we have to do it with the holy spirit and this is why Christ says to come together. And that's what we'll do when we return the keys of the kingdom.
4: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth.
5: LibertyRadioLive.com. What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology? From the creation in his word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at firstamendmentradio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have
4: Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me.
0: Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. If you're not on the network... Uh, The idea of gathering together is very important, and we'll give a few announcements uh, concerning the network. Uh, We are going to have a debate on uh, RBN with somebody concerning the Apostle Paul uh, next week uh, in the evening, and the information about that you can find on the network. Uh, If you join the network, you'll be notified. And the way to join the network is to go to hisholychurch.org and join a local group. You you will remain anonymous on that group and you'll get the emails that are on that group, but if you want to connect better, you need to pick what we call a contact minister. It's just the manager of the group, and there may be many of them or one of them on the group that you join. And uh, they will start connecting you with other people that are striving and seeking to return to that image of God, that righteousness of God. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His, uh, the word there, righteousness, uh, many historians are, and and uh, uh, Greek scholars say that that would be better translated justification. Uh, I shared with uh, the local PCM groups uh Once you become a contact minister, we refer to you as a personal contact minister, and we abbreviate that down to a PCM. And uh, those PCMs are personal contact ministers that are on each group or on another group so that they're connected. And this way we create a whole living network where they can call each other and they can call the people that pick them. And even if the Internet were to go down, we were still connected. And we have other uh, groups that are setting up to put in other types of communication, even beyond the phone line, so you can communicate without the phone. Someone, uh, uh, one of the contact ministers had called the local judge to ask him some questions, evidently, and then shortly afterwards was called by a uh, police officer, I guess some sort of colonel or major or something, I can't remember the details of it now, but anyway, in the police department, And the policeman wanted to know where this guy lived and and all this stuff, and he said, well, that he wanted a face-to-face meeting, and he said, well, uh, that he would arrange one, but he was really busy at that time and he couldn't do it. And anyway, in a short conversation, then he hung up and uh, called his son to check on his son who was helping somebody else and then went about his business, and then his son was immediately called by the same policeman. (laughs) Uh, the officer of, uh, I don't know if it was the sheriff's department or what, but anyway, or state trooper. But anyway, uh, the man was using a track phone and did not give out any phone numbers, but the uh, officer not only knew what his phone number was, now knew who he had called. And uh, that's the kind of technology that's out there that uh, phones, uh, and he was pointing out, he said, if people think they're hiding something, uh, if you're on the Internet, you're not hiding anything. I don't care what service you go to. I mean, if you were wanted to be covertly watching people, uh, the first thing you would do is create a website that guarantees that if you get one of our emails, we will protect you, and nobody will know who you are and what your emails are because we have a secure server. And the other, and so people are always talking about these secure servers, like up in Canada, where you can get your email, and then the government can't go in there and just take uh, uh, and find out what you have sent in the email. Well, the reality is, uh, the government is all the time. Trying to set up things like that outside of the country, where they're not restricted by the few laws you still have in place, <laughs> they won't need a court order in Canada. They just, especially if they're running the business, can you imagine how much re- uh, information they get for all these foolish people who think, "Well, I'll, I'll get a Canadian email, and then they won't be able to see my email." <laughs> no, uh, the reality is, that not that we have anything to hide, we're very out in the open and everything. But if there was a malevolent force that were to come into play in the world and you wanted to communicate in private, you're not going to do it with email. Uh, you're going to have to, and you're not even really going to do it by phone for very much. But, uh, the point is, is that the internet could go down and you couldn't get a hold of anybody. And real men love their neighbor as themselves. And so you need to create a living network of people. It would be great if, in order to connect to the next person in the network, you just had to go out your front door and yell over to the guy across the street. And then he would go out his back door and yell over to the guy on the other side of his fence. And you would connect each other that way. And that would be your shoo and cry. But uh, we're not that big yet. <laughs> we're We're spread out that much, but we're not usually over the fence, although we have found a few people on the network that found each other, and they actually found that they had a great deal in common, and they only lived a block away. And they never knew it. They'd lived a block away for years and years and years and never knew it until they joined the network, and then they discovered each other. So you join the network by going to hisholychurch.org, going to the little guy with the net up there, and uh, it's a drop-down menu, and you go there, and you find the group that covers the area you live in, uh, Texas, or uh, Australia, or Canada, or wherever you live, and you connect with that group, and you'll still go on that group kind of anonymous. There'll be a manager of the group who will see your email, and hopefully he'll introduce himself, and... uh, You tell him what you want to tell him about yourself, and then he will have that in a little pencil and paper written down somewhere, and he will keep track of who you are. If you pick him as your contact minister or one of the others, or even if you volunteer as a contact minister uh, for other people and they pick you, then we will connect you with the other contact ministers in the network who are really the workers of the network, that are helping to connect people. Because seeking the kingdom means seeking each other. And you need to have a way in which to do that where you have this uh, common purpose of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's, we're not seeking liberty. We're seeking to be servants of Christ when we do that. That's what the prodigal son did. He didn't come back to claim, reclaim his inheritance. He had already gotten his inheritance and squandered it. He was coming back to be a servant in his father's house. And that needs to be our attitude, that we come back as servants, because that's the nature of God, to serve, to give life, to be a life giver. And so we need to come back with that intent. And if we are sincere in that attempt, God will, like Christ, make us brothers. And we will become true men again in the kingdom, serving one another, according to the will of the Father, according to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to do. And the network that we are creating is just giving you an opportunity to do that, to create a network, a living network of people that actually care about the will of the Father. And that a fruit of that is manifested in the fact that they care about one another. So we're making a true network of men and women who are seeking that image of God, that character of God in their own lives. And it's a struggle. And it requires striving, because that's what Christ said, strive. He didn't just say, well, sit there and believe until I get it all worked out, and then I'll just let you in the door. No, he said, when asked how many are saved, a few or many, he said strive. He didn't even give the answer. He beat around the bush on that. So anyway, at the, so that's one thing. Join the network. You'll find about some of these other uh, programs. We're going to have some other guests on this show. Uh, I just talked to uh, uh, Kevin Craig, and he wants to uh, come back on the show and uh, be a guest and uh, we have some other people that may be guests on the show uh, coming up and we'll try to give you advance warning of that and uh, of course the, the shows will be kept in the archives so that you can uh, listen to them if you missed the show but we have a two-hour show here we have call-in capabilities now and so therefore uh, uh, we can start having these guests on and then you can even ask the guest questions. And I'll repeat that call-in number, so if you're looking for that pencil, and those of you who found the pencil and have to go and sharpen it, you got time to go and sharpen it, and I'll give you the number. And uh, it check the pen to make sure it writes, because they're all out of ink. That's the way it is here. Every time you grab a pen, it's out of ink, and, uh, unless you have a pilot pen. Uh, but anyway, so I'm giving you this little bit of time to get that, so I can give you the number again.
3: It's funny uh, because my pen just ran out of ink.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, what is it, the the Peter Principle? No, it's not the Peter Principle, whatever it is.
3: Murphy's Law, I guess.
0: Murphy's Law, yeah. Okay. It's going to fall on its face. Okay. Anyway, the number is 559-726. So it's 559-726-1300 and in order to get on the conference call where you can ask a question or just listen to the program, is 795-132, 795-132. And if you have a question, you just push star six, and uh, Paul, our trusty moderator, engineer, and all-around whatever-we-need guy <laughs> will eventually uh, take your call, and you can ask a question on, on the air.
3: We should probably mm-hmm. mention that there's also a chat room. It wasn't working last week, but now it's up and running, and I guess he upgraded it, so even it even works with Internet Explorer now. Okay. And, however, <laughs> right. it changed where it is, so you can find it on the Liberty Radio Live main page and press on chat, or you can go to www.far.com slash chat. They took some, uh, some of the intermediate things out of there.
0: So it's uh, that uh, address again is www.
3: No, 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 no. That's where we get confused. It's just www.far.com. Oh. Okay. www.far.com. And then a slash chat. Oh, okay. H A T. And there is a question from the chat room. Okay. Someone wants to know if you're going to cover man as the Proverbs 31 man the same way you did women last week.
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are we? Uh, yeah, that you know, you, people don't don't get carried away thinking I plan all this stuff out ahead of time. You know, we're told uh, uh, not to uh, plan everything out ahead <laughs> of time. Uh, I, I jot down a few notes, obviously, so that I, I know what I want to uh, get to and quote. But uh, um, So anyway, uh, I'm curious. I, I'm just absolutely curious. Is that question from a man or is that from a woman?
3: It'd be from a man.
0: <laughs> oh, it's from a man. Okay. <laughs> i just just wondering. Uh, but anyway, I, I take it that Proverbs 31 talks about men a little bit there, uh more than uh, uh let's say drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted uh, you know I am uh yeah oh yeah I, you know he's not he, am I supposed to be quoting from uh Yeah, it talks about who can find a virtuous woman for her price is, uh, is far above a ruby. And it goes on to say, The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. Uh, the uh, This whole thing of... Um, uh, the woman woman is mentioned more in Proverbs than any other book in the Bible. This woman has to do not only with the character of woman. Everything in creation kind of repeats itself over and over again. And so the precept, it's precept upon precept. That's what they're talking about. So when they're talking about woman, they're not necessarily talking about woman. When you, you read in Paul and he's talking about virgins, he isn't necessarily talking always about woman. He's using these as metaphors um the one of the pagan temples parthenon um, was they're, they're talking about a virgin in that temple too uh but that 's not really a virgin they're talking about paul 's virgins are those who aren't eating of those benefits of the world of those pagan temples that's what they're not fornicating well, most of the time when you see uh, the word adultery they're talking about a national adultery where people who should be married to God in union with God and contracting with God, or actually contracting with the governments of the world. They're looking to them to be their benefactor, even though they are not really benefactors. They only give you what they take away from others. So this fornication is that entering into those systems where you are coveting your neighbor's goods and you are taking from your neighbor. Uh, in Proverbs, it goes on and talks about uh, you know this... Uh, she maketh herself covering of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Uh, again, they're talking about the, the nature of this uh, government of God, this kingdom of God. This is the, the woman that is more precious than a ruby. But how do you get there? Well, you get there by seeking the kingdom and the righteousness of God. And that means both men and women have to be real men and women, uh, real daughters of virtue and husbands of righteousness. And that's how you get there. Uh, If you don't, you won't get there. You won't be a part of uh, that uh, that kingdom. You won't enter into the kingdom of God and we will get to... Uh, some more quotes on that subject as we we get farther into this study. But, uh, yeah, I don't see where Proverbs 31 talks about men, the way in which it was talking about women uh, in that. But it does, if you go on in the Ecclesiastical, it says, What prophet, prophet hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passes away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Um, Does it really abide forever? That's another story, but again, you have to go back into the language and look at that. But are we following back to that relationship where we're eating of the tree of life, we're receiving of the Holy Spirit, we're were filled with the divine revelation moment by moment, day by day, as true men made in the image of God. Rome was not built in a day, and our image as the image of God did not fall simply in a day. We fell, We fell certainly, in a moment, but we fell and fell and fell and fell, and, fell, and now we have to get back, and the only way back is through Christ. But being back through Christ means to actually put on the nature of Christ cannot do that alone it's mostly about the submission to the will of the father which we see christ talking about in the garden of gethsemane that this submission to the father's will is what we need to all learn and not to what we imagine the father's will to be but the actual father's will and how do we know there's a lot of people saying that they're saved they've accepted jesus christ are they really saved have they really accepted jesus christ is he really their Lord and Savior? Well, Paul goes into what you're looking for to find that out. Christ certainly went into what you're looking for. When they asked him how you get into the kingdom, uh, how they're to be saved and all this stuff, how do I obtain eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. Yet some imagine that Paul says, that the law was nailed to the cross, and people immediately think that that has to do with the Ten Commandments. And you can call it, because the uh, quirks of the translation or twisting of the translation by translators, Uh, the fact is it's perfectly okay to say the law was nailed to the cross, but most people don't realize that there are many kinds of law, many forms of law. They don't even know what Greek word was used there. and, yeah, the, does the devil have his hand in the sophistry of language? Absolutely. He doesn't need to change the Bible. He can just change your modern dictionary, and suddenly words mean something different than you thought they did. Uh, so, anyway, let's let's go back to looking at uh, uh, some of these quotes. When I we left off before the break, Genesis 3.12 was, And the man said, the woman whom thou, speaking to God, gave us to... Be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. He's blaming his failing on God and, and the woman that God gave him. That's not his fault. It's the woman you gave me. And that lack of accepting responsibility for your actions is what keeps you in bondage. Now, there's a lot of other things in every one of our lives in which we play a certain role of responsibility, and men need to start accepting that responsibility and saying, I did this. It's my mistake. It's my errors, my failing. I should have seen. And you need to say that deep into your heart and start blaming yourself, not judging yourself, but realizing your part in this. But realize also that God is a forgiving God. And if you accept the responsibility and bow to his will, he will raise you up, a real man, back in the image that God made you originally. And you will have the power of God working on your behalf. And you will need the power of God to overcome the wickedness of the world. And again, it won't be you overcoming the wickedness. It will be God working through you. We have closed our eyes to the divine revelation of God in each of our hearts because we have continued to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When those eyes were open, other eyes were closed. When we became plugged in to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we became unplugged from the tree of life. And so that's the journey we need to make, and Christ is showing us how to begin to make that journey with his parables and, and his warnings. Yeah, we're not to be coveting our neighbor's goods. We need to create a system where we don't have to covet our neighbor's goods, where we live by faith, open charity. This will take the scales off of our eyes when we return to the Father and the ways of the Father, even as servants, because so that's what we need to come back as as servants, willing to come back as a servant and he will make a son in Genesis 3:16 which is before that Genesis 3:12 we see if we go back and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat he knew he wasn't supposed to eat there's an actual conversation in, in the text where he recognizes that this is the truth she didn't slip it in to uh, you know his meal that night he knew what he was doing and she wanted to be wise in her own eyes but he ate too and it was him that was given the original direction not to. And he failed. And so we see in the very next verse, it says, And the eyes of them both were open. Which eyes? And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, they knew they were naked before. They just weren't ashamed of it. They knew they had no authority before. But they had the guidance of the tree of life. And they knew that's what gave them their covering. They had no covering other than that. But now when they eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, they realize that they are cut off from the tree of life. And they sow these fig leaves. And I I said in the earlier show that the word there that you see is fig leaves. Same exact Hebrew word, same exact three Hebrew letters, is also translated lies. That's what they sow, a web of lies to cover the fact that they have done wrong. And we'll continue this when we return the keys of the kingdom.
2: You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.
4: If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month and you'll receive an mp3 cd weekly of all the first amendment rights media group programs as a bonus we'll send you a password for our audio archives online that's a fifteen dollar value or you can request any month of any program on one mp3 cd for a minimum donation of only twenty dollars or any single program on tape mp3 cd or cd for only fifteen dollars You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be: Don't tread on me. LibertyRadioLive.com
0: dot So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about what the role that man has in the world today, and as a man. Uh, a creation of God, and we were leaving off with uh, uh, the quote uh, in uh, Genesis 3-7 where this fig leaf is that he wove in order to make this covering uh, is the same word that is translated lies in the same Bible. And... That's what he has woven, his lies. He has to deny the truth of his own failing. cannot accept that. And as long as we cannot accept our part in the failing as men and women, we are not going to be saved. We need to recognize that's what repentance is about. And that recognition, you know, that is not just, oh, yeah, I realize that, and do nothing. You have to turn around and go another way because... When you took that eating of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your direction in life changed. You began to move towards death and more blindness, and you turn around to have your eyes open turn back to the light. What's driven us out of the garden is the fact that we will not see the truth of what we've done. The light of the cherub, the sword, the fiery sword of the cherub, exposes us for what we've done. It shines a light on our error, and we flee that light, and we cannot return. We don't need to take the cherub down. We need to be willing to see the truth about our own wickedness, our own strain from the ways of God, that we decided to be wise in our own eyes. And that's a place of humility, unless you be like one of these little children, these humble children who want to obey their father by their nature. Unless we become like that, we cannot enter into the kingdom. In Genesis 3.16, it says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows and thy conception and sorrows. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. And the word husband there is actually the word that's translated man or men over a thousand times. But there they translated husband. And what it is is she desires to have a real man, a real husband. But instead he's gonna rule over you. A lot of men want to use that phrase to say, well, not, I'm the master of the house, although I'm the authority, and rightly so, but they're using it as an excuse to exercise authority over their wife in a totalitarian, totalitarian fashion. And that is not really the plan. You're to be one flesh. You're one body in cooperation. A man doesn't need to rule over his wife with an iron fist. A real man doesn't. A real man is a man, and that's what a real woman is looking for—a real man. Because there are sinful women and there are sinful men, and the sinful woman will abandon a uh, real man when her husband becomes one. He, she will flee like a demon, fleeing a uh, uh, you know a body that he has possessed, because he will be, she will be cast out by his righteousness, not by his arrogance, not by his uh, dictatorial totalitarianism. The the character of a woman as she was created tempts a man to be this totalitarian ruler of his wife. But if he overcomes that temptation and follows the leading of the Holy Spirit and is a righteous man. Immersed in righteousness, baptized in righteousness. Making decisions not based upon coercion or sophistry or temptations, but making them based upon righteousness and a love of the truth. The good woman will cling to him. And there won't be any need to be that totalitarian dictator. Because they will be one's flesh and one spirit. In Galatians 5:18, we see, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. People use that to think, well, we don't have to, there's no works. There's nothing we have to do. We're not under the law because we have believed in Christ and we're no longer under the law. What law? You have to go look at that word nemos in the Greek and find out what law he's talking about. If we have time and, and somebody wants us to go into that, we will look at that. But right now, let's go on to Galatians 5.19 to see where he takes that statement. Because there's all kinds of law. He's not saying all law we're not under. We're still under God's law. We're just not under the laws that have been created to control the flesh that was out of control, which is the laws of men. Galatians 5:19. now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, works of the flesh, that's, that's where we decide for ourselves, in this knowledge of good and evil, in this fleshly brain. We're going to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that's the flesh. And if we are living of that flesh, this is what's going to result. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. That doesn't necessarily have to do with just marriage. It could be national adultery, like I said, where you begin to make covenants with them and with their gods. Where you marry into these other systems, desiring their benefits, the tickling of your ears by their... Uh, sophistry, great swelling words and to covetousness they will make merchandise of you you will enter in and become their bride in adultery and fornication because it's not according when the Israelites said that uh, they wanted to have a king rule over them they were rejecting God when we talk about the, uh, the Bride of Christ, we're talking about going back and rejecting the fornication and adultery with these other systems and returning to the system of God. So this is what results, is this adultery and fornication, this uncleanness, this lasciviousness, this idolatry. Of course, and that is idolatry. The belief in religious groups and eschatologies rather than righteousness alone is a form of idolatry. You don't have to make a statue to be an idolater. You can create an image in your own mind of a false Christ and worship that false Christ, and that's idolatry. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, Reveling and we see that all over society now and we see it even you know some of those things amongst people who say they're Christians but they can't be Christians and be producing this fruit because they are living by the works of the flesh and such like of which I tell you before as I told as I have also told you in time past. So Paul's evidently talked about this number of times, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what you say you believe in, if this is the fruit that you are bearing, if you are coveting your neighbor's goods, if you are invading countries and murdering people by the thousands, even by the millions, If you are hiring other men to do that kind of thing, you're a murderer. If you are killing millions of unborn children and paying for it, you will pay for it again because you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are rejecting God and electing leaders to exercise authority over you, you are... Turning away from God, and therefore you will not inherit the kingdom. I don't care I don't care what church you go to, what you say you believe in. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? Those who eat of the tree of life, who let the guiding of the Holy Spirit guide them instead of their own knowledge of good and evil. Joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. You don't need no law because the law is written on your heart. How can the law be written on your heart? You begin to eat of the tree of life. You let the Holy Spirit in. And it will not come in unless you bow down and accept its authority. You can't conjure it up like witchcraft. Say these magic words, and the Holy Spirit enters mm-hmm. into you. If we truly live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In Romans 8, 1, we see there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. People say, oh, well, we're all going to be sinners when we all fall. And then, No. No. If you're fallen to temptation, you're still walking in the flesh. You're still eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are still subject to be tossed to and fro. The righteous of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. We will be changed. We will not be fallen. We will be in love and in joy and in peace and in long suffering. And we won't become impatient and say, Oh, well, I'm just fed up. I'm leaving. You guys just kick me off. Won't be doing that because the Holy Spirit's in you. You know, people say, Oh, well, I don't want to offend you. Give it a try. <laughs> you know, uh, if once you are feeding of the Holy Spirit, instead of feeding of this knowledge of good and evil, you you can hardly be offended. You know, if they crucified you, you wouldn't be offended. You would still be long-suffering in general and full of goodness and faith and meekness. It doesn't mean you won't be telling people the truth. You will be telling people the truth. So real men start taking responsibility for themselves. And that's what we need to do. And we need to do it starting now. We need to start taking on responsibility. And that's one of the things. There's many people that we have neglected over the years and many people that we have done wrong to. We can't necessarily go back and undo that we can start doing right by other people. We see in the world today that the whole world is going into debt, and the United States is the worst of the worst sinners going into debt. For generations to come, we would be in debt. And we're doing it all to what? Gratify what? The Holy Spirit? No. Flash. We aren't willing to make the sacrifices that are going to be necessary in order to uh, upright this land, oh, the whole world. I mean, as the U.S. goes, so goes the whole world. We are heavily influencing the course of history. But we're also, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, and we are going to fall like no other country has fallen in our known history. In First Corinthians seven: one it says, "Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every man every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. And the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. The fraud be not one the other, except it be with consent for a time. The fraud is probably not the best translation there, but if you get the drift of what he's saying... Uh, For a time that ye may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt ye not for your inconsistency. He's dealing with real people struggling and striving to find the kingdom. And the fact is we are still subject to the flesh. And so, therefore, that's what he's talking about. And this question was brought up during the, the program last week. Uh, And he says, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment. And he says, for I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. And he's understanding that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried <clears throat> and the widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. And most people believe that Paul was a widow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because he uh, he had to have been married in order to hold some of the positions that he was, according to the, the laws. And yet we don't see much evidence of his wife anywhere. But... If you actually follow the, his activities and understand what he was doing in Rome, who he was living with, uh, that he had a half-brother, and uh, that they were uh, very fond uh, of what he had to say, and they were Christians, they formed one of the early churches, uh, the son of uh, his half-brother and uh, his wife, who we know as uh, Claudia, and her real name was Gladys and she was actually a Briton. And uh, they created one of the early churches and everything, but uh, they had two daughters, and uh, they there's writings where it talks about them raised at the knee of Paul. In other words, Paul was their uncle, and uh, they actually even inscribed on uh, one of the churches that they built uh, referring to Paul as their papa. Which was a term of endearment. Some people want to think that that imagines that Paul was a pope uh, because that's what pope means—papa, papa—and the reality is no, that doesn't. That's not what it means. (laughs) It means that he was like a father to them. It was simply a term of endearment. But anyway, uh, the point is is that uh, uh, Paul says that everybody has to make those own choices. He's he's even specifically talking about the fact that this is me talking. But I speak this by permission and not of a commandment, that if you end up being a widow, you're a widow. And if you end up uh, deciding to remarry, you decide to remarry. He even warns in other places about uh, the... uh, uh, women who become widows and are still young, they should remarry. And the fact is, is that this relationship of husband and wife, it's an important relationship and not simply for the procreation of children, but certainly that is the fundamental purpose of that relationship. But it is not right that man be alone. So man should marry. But he should marry carefully, cautiously and wisely, and according to the leading of the Holy Spirit and not according to the leading of the flesh. I always tell young men, you can't pick them. You can't tell who's going to be your wife. If you depend upon your knowledge, your perception, to decide who's going to be your wife, you're probably going to screw up. You need to sit down and say, God, I can't pick it. I can't decide who should be my wife. You pick them. You find. And, you know, that's what I did. And I'll tell you that story some other time. But uh, the reality is, is that's what I said. I I gave up dating. I wasn't going to do that anymore. I can't, I I realized I can't tell. Dating is one of the the biggest lies there is. A woman puts on a face and she puts, I mean, literally sometimes puts on a face and puts on a demeanor and uh, is not who she is. And the man, no different. And you you don't know who each other are until at least the third or fourth year of marriage. <laughs> so um, don't go shopping. Listen to the Lord. Follow his lead. But really, the character of men, we need to be uh, uh, changing our whole perception of what a man is supposed to be. This he is supposed to be the epitome of virtue, and that's where men need to, all these other problems will work themselves out if we seek the righteousness of God. God is a doer. We need to be doers. We need to, how many times did Christ talk about doing You'll be surprised how many times Paul talks about how important it is to be doers of the word. Matthew seven twenty one. Not Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven, which includes loving the neighbor as thyself, includes not coveting your neighbor's goods, includes not uh, hiring men to go out and murder half the world so that you can have a secure social structure in your own nation, an economic situation protecting your equities. You shouldn't be out there killing millions of people to protect your equities. When it's usually some totalitarian dictator that's making the country go a certain way, your solution is to go in there and bomb thousands of people, bomb the entire infrastructure of that country and, and devastate it and and send it back to the Stone Age so that the children and women and and people die of disease and hunger and and are completely devastated, somehow or other, people in America, in America, begin to think that's okay. That It's okay to wreak that havoc on other nations. We have become the great terrorists. I shouldn't say we, the United States has become the great terrorists. They're the one that everybody's afraid of. they don't strap bombs to their chest. They strap bombs to the bottom of B-52s and drop them on other nations. Now, I don't want to regulate the political activities in that government, but I'm certainly going to point it out that this is sin and not approved of God. And because you have sown the wind, you will weep the whirlwind. Your own nation will undergo greater devastation. greater devastation than you have wrought on other nations. It will come back to you sevenfold. It's hard to imagine this great nation. I've flown over so many times where I see all these cities and and, uh, unbelievable uh, buildings. We have been very industrious in, in doing great things, but we've also been very industrious in doing evil things. And you men are to blame. Because you have been slothful. You have worn the laurels of men who showed greater courage than you have even touched upon. And you have become apathetic. To the point of being pathetic. Matthew 7:24 "Therefore whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him unto the wise man which built his house upon the rock. But in 26 he says, "And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand." We need to turn around and start doing things much different. It isn't the government's fault. It's our fault because we are not the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. We are the government that elects somebody else to make laws for us. We should be the righteous and seeking the righteous. So when you take back your responsibilities, you'll get your rights back. When you take back your responsibilities of dressing and keeping it, And in order to do that, you're going to have to strive, which Jesus says in Luke 13:24, strive to enter in. Are we still there? <laughs> Paul, can you hear me? Yeah, you're here. Okay. Because we've had a major power blackout.
3: <laughs> Just clicking a lot, but you're still going. Yeah,
0: everything's clicking around me right now. <laughs> oh. We just lost power again. Am I still on?
3: Yeah, you're still on. Okay.
0: So anyway, uh, uh, we're completely out of power here, but
3: uh, we have power la- that they know not of.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Uh, it's going back on again. This keeps up. I don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're at the end of a power line. That's a many, 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 many miles long and. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, hopefully, we're. I'm glad I wasn't using another phone line that might have disconnected us entirely. But anyway, uh, we're going to be coming up here on a break, and uh, I don't know, has there been any activity in the chat room or
3: uh yeah, questions? Yeah, I lost track of the chat room, but there was a question, and someone would like you to explain further a comment you made. I have to do this from memory because my window is blank. But it was a comment you made about how women are a temptation to men to be uh, rulers over their lives.
0: Right. Yeah, you know, the stature of a woman, the, uh, the physical prowess of a woman uh, generally makes her, uh, you know, physically uh, weaker than a man. Although, personally, that's not the only way we measure strength. <clears throat> and a woman has other strengths that uh, where man is often weak. But this is why you know God created this balance between these two creations that were both made in His image. But uh, it is you know one of the when God knew that when He gave us this power and dominion that it would tempt us to abuse that power. This is what power corrupts. We see that with Saul. We see it with David. We see it with Solomon. You see it everywhere. You see it in all the governments of the world. The more power you give them, the more they are corrupted by that power. So God makes man, and he makes woman, and man in some ways has more power in some areas than a woman. In some areas of their nature, the woman has more power. But man is tempted to dominate, the woman by the character of that creation. By the same token, the woman is tempted to manipulate the man because she has power. She has power over the man in many ways, not the, the true man who is eating of the tree of life, but the man who is eating of the flesh, eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The woman often has tremendous power over him, and of course we see that in the case of Adam and Eve right away. She gives him this food to eat. He knows it's not for him to eat. And he falls prey to her temptation. But by her nature, she was made so that she might just do that. And by his nature, he was capable of the choice to choose not to eat of the tree of life. But God gives us that choice because it is in the nature of God to have a choice, and that's how we're made in His image. So uh, many, <clears throat> we'll get back to this uh, when we get back on the break, but uh, how is our relationship as men with our wives? How, are we just to dominate them? Or are we just to order them that you must submit to me uh, kind of thing? Uh, and, you know, this is a very subtle area here, and we have to understand where we go wrong, and we'll talk about that when we return.
2: to the king of kings and to his kingdom come on earth as is in heaven. One holy nation and a heavenly father great mercy justice for all.
4: The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you the listener on this First Amendment rights media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our listen and schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our God and creator for his holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening.
1: If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why
4: did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South.
5: Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free?
0: talking about the uh, kingdom and uh we're uh, getting into uh the last of this show and we're going to try to get into the real character of man because man was given dominion he's losing dominion in almost every aspect of his life he hasn't been dressing and keeping it as a matter of fact he has let others take over that dominion and they are actually destroying it and bringing death That death will come in massive ways with disease, famines, wars, all these kinds of things. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it's just the way it's going to be. But there's hope if you turn around, you will have the power of God going out before you, and you will have the salvation of Christ and the strength and the miracles that come with that salvation to protect you. But you have to stop being selfish, and you have to start coming together. Now, coming together is a real hard thing to do. Just the number of divorces in the the world today will show us how hard it is for two people to stay together when they say they love each other. What about whole nations coming together and staying together and being one with each other? If we go look in Ephesians 4.31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, a lot of people go to churches, and they think they're doing that, but then the rest of the week they send men out to their neighbor's house to force them to uh, pay for their children's education, to force them to pay for their health care, to force them to give them money for abortions, to force them to build armies to ravage whole nations. And so that's not being kind. That is actually being hypocritical. And that's what we see the modern churches is totally hypocritical. They are not doing what the early churches did. They aren't the social welfare system of Christians. They actually go to those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. They make covenants with them. They deliver their children over to them and they go deeper and deeper into bondage. So we see in Ephesians 5.1, it starts out, Be therefore followers of God as clear as dear children, and walk in love of Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Again, those of you who understand and the read sophistry uh, of sacrifice, realized that what the sacrifices on the altars really were. It was sacrifice of each individual. The Corbin was the way in which we took care of the ways and needy of our society, and that is sacrifice. That's what Corbin means, and that's what the altars were for, to take care of one another when we really do need help. But the Corbin and the Pharisees made the word of God to none effect, and all the churches that I know of today that are out there, the modern churches of today, are a part of a system of Corbin like that of okay. Pharisees. And they make the word of God do not affect. And it's because men are not being men and they're not taking on the role of dominion. They have turned it over to others. In verse 3, it says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, which is what I'm talking about, let it not be once named amongst you and become a saint. He's telling you what you need to do. Stop covering Stop making these deals and fornicating with these foreign governments that are foreign to the ways of Christ. Neither building this, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks.
1: We should get thanks even for our
0: afflictions. For this ye know, that no whoremongers...
1: That's all these people
0: out there making and marrying these other governments nor unclean person, nor covetous man. Again, the covetous
1: man. This is the guy who says you're
0: saved by faith, but he's saying no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. No covetous man. Are you coveting your neighbor's goods, the agencies, of the governments that you hold up as the rulers of your soul and your being? Then you sacrifice too,
1: let no man
0: deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come at the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. That's what we are, the children of disobedience. We have listened to vain words that say you're saved by faith alone, and you didn't listen to the rest of what Paul said, which says you don't have any inheritance in the kingdom if you're a covetous person. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness. But now are ye light, and the Lord walk as children of light. But you're not doing that in these churches. You're not walking as children of light. You're walking as the Pharisees, with the corbin of the Pharisees. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's what we're supposed to be doing, reprove them. But condemning them and reproving them or rebuking them is not enough. We need to be the government of the people for the people and by the people, taking care of our own through faith, hope, and charity, and the perfect law of liberty. And we cannot do that unless we form congregations that we know of so that we can keep track of one another in a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands that is the buddy system times ten times ten times ten. We have to do that, and we have to work to do that, because most people are still asleep. Where it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. It isn't about coming out of the system until we are alive. You know reason to bring those dead bodies Out of the grave. They come alive and come out of the grave. And you are dead unless you are being the government of God. So then, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Not wise in your own eyes, but wise in the ways of God. Redeemed the time, because the days are evil. The days are evil today. Are we the time? Are we showing them a better way? Are we forming congregations? Or are we just trying to be free?
1: We're not free from righteousness.
0: We must bind ourselves in righteousness and virtue. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That you love one another. And you cannot do that just sitting there and loving from a distance. You have to actually come together and be there for one another, and that means you need to know where one another are. That means you need to form a network. And be not drunk with the wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This nation is drunk with the wine of excess, and they have borrowed the money to buy the booze. They are not filled with the Spirit. But there is hope, because I see that Spirit awakening in some. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Are you singing in your mouth or singing with your heart? Are you really doing what Christ said? Have you learned the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? Not if you're not taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, not submitting one another in contracts and covenants and constitutions, but in that love of God, in the love of God's way. Wives, submit yourself unto your husband as unto the Lord with that long-suffering and patience in which you are often stronger than the men in. But do it for the Lord. And for the husband, who is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. I do not deny that the man is the head of the house. But you must be the head of the house as Christ and not like Nimrod, not like Pharaoh, not like Caesar, but like Christ. How was he the head? Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love Love your wives even even as Christ also loved the church. How did he do that? How did he love the church? He gave himself for it. He gave himself that they might be saved. Is that the kind of husband you are? Or are you like Are you like Nimrod? Are you like Pharaoh? Do you save your house or do you bless your house? This is what I'm talking about. If, if the kingdom is precept upon precept, if the precept and character of Christ is not manifested in your own house, how do you expect it to be manifested in the nation? It begins at home. It begins with your your wife and your children. Are you real husbands? Are you real men? Same word in the Hebrew. No difference. Same word. A man is a husband. We are to be husbands to the world. And if we cannot be husbands to our wives, we will not be husbands to the world, and we will be condemned. And we will fall prey to the poisons that are coming. Because we do not have Christ in us. If we have Christ in us, even those poisons will not harm us. As Christ gave himself for us, we must give ourselves for our families and for our neighbors,
1: and for our neighbors' neighbors, and for those neighbors
0: we cannot even see there, are far off in the network, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. When you're climbing a mountain, you keep an eye on the rocks where you are. You do not look at the top. You do not look at the bottom. You look at where you are. When you are fishing with nets, as they did from the boats, of the apostles. They dove into the water and each man was a buoy to the edge of the net. He held it up. If one man dropped his into the net, the fish would escape. They worked together as a team. They did not look over at the other guy's job. They did their job. And that's what it is in the network. Build a local network. Do not lose sight of the others. Work in coordination, dance together, sing together but sing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourished it and cherished it even as the Lord, the church. We are members of his body. Now, are we members of his body? Now, Paul is saying this. But can we say Paul's words and it be true? For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone. Are we made back in the image of Christ? Are we truly men of patience, men of long-suffering, men of forgiveness, men of giving,
1: men of sacrifice?
0: That's what we need to be. We need to be that to the very core of our being. And your relationship with your wife and, and your family is the beginning of understanding your relationship with God. Because he has given you a job and you must do it. As we read at the beginning, for this, and Paul says again, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverences her husband. Children, obey your parents. Even you big children, you grown-up children, honor your father and your mother. If we were doing that, if we were doing that alone, what honoring the father and the mother meant, family would still be core in the nation instead of the governments of Nimrod and Caesar. They don't want you looking to your family. They don't want you. And if you, for you single men out there, become uncles and brothers now. Join with other families and congregation. You single girls out there, Don't live all by yourself. Help those families that are in existence so that they can have their home school, their home industry. Forget about your standard of living, because if you do not have Christ in your life, you have no standard of living. It will all be swept away. Start developing those communities, those congregations, and connecting. It is a a realm of sacrifice and giving, that you must enter. And if you will not enter into that realm, you will not enter into the kingdom. You will not be free. You will become subject. And you will be dead. Because you are dead already. Paul goes on to say, Honor thy father and thy mother. Which he refers to, which is the first commandment, with promise. So that your days will be long upon the land, because our days will be cut short upon the land if we do not turn to the ways of God. So, I could go on. Did I encourage any questions? Or is the chat room ceased altogether?
3: <laughs> the chat room is non-existent right now.
0: <laughs> okay. Did it did it go offline or?
3: Yeah, it's, the whole website is offline. Oh, well, fortunately, the radio show is still.
0: Okay. <laughs> well anyway, so that's
1: that kind of
0: you know, men aren't being men. Men somehow or other think that men are tough or men are this or men are that or well, they are tough, but they're tough in a different way. Uh they're they're tough in the ways of righteousness. They're they're not angry, they're not uh impatient, they're they're not totalitarian. Uh they are long suffering. They are patient. They are giving. They are loving. Those are, those are the strengths and characters that man needs to kindle. All the rest of these ideas of men and what true men are is vanity. And uh, that pride uh, requires that we need new figures to cover <laughs> our sins
1: <laughs> and uh, to make more lives.
0: And we, we have to be uh, immersing ourselves in the truth about ourselves and become those real men
1: that are going to be
0: needed in society and then connect one with each other. Because so the electricity of the spirits begins to take place. But you know, once you begin to become that independent individual that God created, it is not right that you be alone.
1: It is right that you be.
0: With others, And, of course, the first one God provided is woman. But uh, if you don't a marriage, it means that you have to come into conjunction with other women and come into a relationship with them through that conjunction.
1: And that relationship
0: needs to be based on the character of Christ because the character of Christ is the image of God. And we will be... Whenever we see ourselves falling short of that character, we know that we need to bring attention to that. You know, I've told some people we only have a few minutes left. Uh, I talk about healing. And uh, uh, there's lots of things that you can do to heal. And actually giving your attention and patience. I always tell embrace the pain. That when God didn't give us pain to punish us, he gave us pain to guide us through the healing of that injury, to awaken us to the fact that something is sticking in us or stabbing us or somebody standing on our toe, but also to bring healing. And there's all kinds of emotional pain and anxiety. Embrace the pain, but embrace it with the character of Christ, with forgiveness and patience. And healing will come, and revelation will come, and we call that meditating upon the pain. Upon the reality. Pain is just evidence of a reality, something gone wrong. And so, by bringing our attention to something that's gone wrong, we can bring God's grace to that problem. And God will provide a solution. But we have to do it with this patience and forgiveness, not anger and resentment and fear and anxiety. We have a number of people that come to us every year that are full of fear and anxiety, fearing the world, fearing the new systems that they see formulating around about them. Fear not. We should not be motivated out of fear. We should be motivated out of love. We should not be seeking our rights so that we don't have to obey. We are seeking our rights so that we may obey the Holy Spirit. We are not seeking to get out of covenants and contracts so that we can go do our thing, but so that we can go do God's thing. And God's thing is that we should have dominion over God. But that dominion means to dress it and keep it. And evil wants us to lose it.
1: Why? We lose the first a one
0: term, uh, one of the terms of that contract, And uh and so anyway,
3: we do have a call uh, coming in on the chat, or okay, let's
0: take it, because always in the last couple of yeah,
3: minutes, yeah, it's always the last minute, sorry, <laughs>
0: they finally get the courage,
3: hello, <laughs> man.
1: hello, hi, hey. I need a here it sounded, as though I was a false doesn't have a chat room. Uh, The chat room is functioning uh, well here in New York, and there is a question. Okay. Can you repeat it? question? Yes, the question is, if you could explain why
3: he said he had become a father to certain believers, and yet Christ said no man father, can you expound upon this book? spoken of uh, in those instances? Uh,
0: in the last couple of minutes of the show? <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, well, I Can mean, you tell yeah.
0: me what verse that was in? Did the guy mention the verse? Uh,
3: not that I'm seeing here.
0: But, uh, um You know, th- th- again, there may be a context here um, that we need I'll to take a look from-
3: at. Just pulling from my head, I know uh, Messiah
1: said, you no know, comment, no father. And then Paul, at one point, uh, and this may be
3: referring to something, he says, Aren't I like a father to you? So, you know, uh,
1: spiritual.
3: Uh,
0: yeah, the, the, your phone is breaking up quite a bit, uh, but. Uh, uh, I know that in one place we talked about it earlier that someone referred to as Paul as Papa, but it was actually his nieces who referred to him as Papa. And it was because they were raised at the knee of Paul. and was a term of endearment. Uh, the idea of calling no man father, it has to do with this patronus of the state that was exercising authority one over the other and had the authority, the uh, imperium of the father, uh, that we see in government, where the government is your father, it can order you and cause you, you, know, you have to obey. But, it, but the fact is that we are to be fathers and brothers to each other, but uh, if we are doing that in the name of Christ, we will constantly, which we see Paul doing, referring to the fact that we need to be following Christ, following the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. He is not like Caesar, who is exercising authority as a father and compelling the offerings and tribute of the people. He is talking living by faith, hope, and charity. uh, You know, he's not actually our physical brother.
1: He's our spiritual
0: brother. And to some, he would be like a father in the fact that he rebuked. But he was running a government that operated entirely by faith, hope, and charity, considerably different than the fathers of the earth. Who are operating governments where they call themselves
1: benefactors <laughs> exercise
0: authority one over the other. Anyway, we're out of time, so I'm not going to be able to give more of an answer than that. I would like to know what verse it is that he's referring to. So if anybody finds out, you can send it to me. Till then, we'll see you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul.
1: You're welcome. God bless <laughs>